Hello dear listeners, we hope you started the new year with full energy and optimism. We're back. Speaking of Europe is back. After a too exciting 2020, we hope this year is slightly more boring than the last one. In a year dominated by the one and only topic, coronavirus, much has stayed beyond the headlines, ignored by the global pandemic. To talk about what happened in 2020 that we might have missed, we have an all-star panel. First, my dear co-host, journalist and local Dutch party leader of the Japan-European Liberal Party Volt, Jules Ockjens. Hello Jules, how does it feel to be on the other side? On the other side, it's not snowing unlike in Spain, so I'm really nervous about climate. But that aside, I'm doing fine. <laughs> Great. And our second guest is another friend, Federico Giovannini, Marxist, musician and political philosopher at Bologna University in Italy. Hello Federico, what's up? It's great to be back. Excellent to have you. So, let's get down to business. Federico, what do you think was the most uncovered news of 2020? I think the most uncovered news of 2020 was um, the reason why COVID-19 was a crisis. Because that was something uh, that actually, um, like COVID crisis was not something that affected everyone in the same way. We saw uh, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk and others getting richer and most of the other people on this planet getting poorer or suffering uh, heavily from it. And this aspect was not covered uh, enough, I think, because I think it, it, it shows something um, that is structural and, and, and really problematic in general about our society, which was also, it, it, it always comes back at every crisis or problem we're facing. So I think it's time uh, that we finally talk about uh, how the way our society is structured and so the way it can respond to problems and, and new transformations. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. How about you, Jules? Yeah, I really like Federico's answer because he's basically saying the most ignored news of the year was COVID-19. But then in another from another dimension, I think we should definitely uh, talk about that in another episode. Well, I, I think my answer to the question is pretty obvious because it's the subject of this episode, which is uh, Frontex. I think in all of um, the hysteria uh, around COVID-19, we completely forgot that there is still another crisis going on in Europe, which is the European migrant crisis. It might have not been such a emerging subject um, in this year, but the battle around the debate of mass migration and asylum seekers and human rights for refugees is continuing at the external borders of Europe. And Frontex is basically the embodiment of, uh, of everything that is going on there. What, what exactly is Frontex's role for someone who doesn't know? I mean, so just as a recap for all those listeners who might not know what Frontex exactly is. Um, so Frontex is officially the European Border and Coast Guard Agency, 
which is um, the agency in Warsaw, the uh, Warsaw, the capital uh, of Poland, um, that is responsible to guard the external borders of the Schengen zone. So basically all of the European member states um, with some exceptions. And their um, role is to basically defend the border and to have a common policy on asylum seekers crossing the European external border. And why why has it become such a controversial agency? Yeah, it has actually become a really controversial agency and has received a lot of negative attention in 2019. I think the uh, controversy started to become less during the pandemic, but uh, that was just because the attention was shifting to the virus, right? So basically Frontex was partly supported by progressive and left-wing politicians in Europe because it was believed to be the only agency who could ensure the human rights of asylum seekers um, at the border with Greece and Bulgaria and Hungary. But in reality, it turns out that Frontex is actually, for instance, literally pushing away asylum seeker boats in the Mediterranean Sea and is not really actually being busy with defending human rights. Uh, it turns out that, uh, that the institution is actually offending human rights much more often than defending human rights. So that is what the political controversy is about. And, and what, so the Frontex was created, I guess, um, five years ago or more or less? Uh, it was, so it's a bit complicated. It was officially already created in 2005, but back then it was just a coordinating agency for all the border guards for right 2004 um it was initiated in 2004 it got was officially established in 2005 um and then um um afterwards but thanks for the effort uh, federico <laughs> no keep uh, trying federico <laughs> you try no i'm kidding you can, you can cut this off yeah <laughs> um I, but uh yeah, Frontex turned into much more than a coordinator during the migrant crisis in 2016. It basically became its own centralized border guard for the European Union. And, you know, the weird thing is, is that it turned into such a rather powerful agency or institution, you could say, of the European Union by the support of people as different as, on the one hand, Viktor Orban, the far-right leader of Hungary, and on the other hand, also the Social Democrat Party in the European Parliament. So really from the far right up to the left, people have celebrated Frontex as a way to solve the migrant crisis. And now it, uh, there are a lot of controversies around Frontex. Now a lot of particularly left-wing and progressive uh, politicians are turning against Frontex, but they like to forget that they have supported that same institution to be established uh, a few years ago. And the, 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 the consensus spanning the creation of Frontex, you said, um, ranges from social democrats to, um, to Orban, which is in the conservative um, political European party. But isn't it in a way progress because we are starting to see a certain European wide perspective on the need 
to secure our borders as Europe instead of as nation states? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we progressive in, on that front? Yeah, I think that's a really good point you raise. I, I'd just like to correct you. Orban is actually part of the European People's Party, the Christian Democrats, of which Merkel is actually also a member. But indeed, or even the conservative Eurosceptic group that is actually much more Eurosceptic than uh, Orban. Um, the far-right parties of the Netherlands are part of that. Uh, the far-right governing party of Poland is part of that. Um, um, they all supported uh, Frontex, including the socialists. That's, that's, it's very true, yeah. Um, including the Conte government of, uh, of Italy. So uh, I, I think you raise a really interesting point that for the first time we see that um, parties that normally are in the opposing camps in European debates are now actually allying because they believe that they have a common idea about uh, European integration. And well, Frontex is, I think, an example of that. So I'm not saying that um, we should all support Frontex. Frontex is actually offending human rights at the external borders, right? But I also think Frontex is a symbol of a new kind of European integration that is not necessarily anymore about human rights. It's much more about a consensus between uh, elitist groups that go as far as the far right and go as far as the as the left, really. Center left, I should say, because <laughs> uh, this is where I want to um, intervene if it's possible. I think what is interesting and what Jules said is that there is a consensus and that uh, about um, what Martin um, highlighted, the fact that now we're, we're kind of, this is a process of um, integration, of further integration um, uh, for the European Union, uh, which is um, specifically determined on one discourse, right? Um, there's a consensus on the security discourse, which involves the center-left, the center, and all the rest of the political spectrum going up to the right, and is excluding the far-left, yeah, it's and always excluding the far the, left. <laughs> yeah, but this is but this is being so um, uh, in the last uh, 20, 30 years because uh, we have a, a pro general issue, I think, with our uh, partisan democracy. Um, now I'm I'm going to the political system. Um, I think uh, parties in a democracy they should represent uh, different uh, social uh, groups which have which have different interests. Uh, but now we see that most of uh, parties, they all agree because they are all representing the uh, ruling class, uh, while just a very tiny space is representing the subaltern class. And what is striking um, um, in the face of this is that actually the subaltern class, which is made up of, um, you know, like all workers, unemployed, migrants, uh, refugees, and, and, and also like small uh, and medium enterprises. Um, they are the majority of the population, but they're just represented by a tiny um, part of the political spectrum, which by the way is pretty weak because the far left, it is pretty weak. Um, I think uh, we shouldn't be very happy with uh, this kind of, uh, I'm, I'm a pro-Europeanist. Um, I'm, uh, I'm really happy that we have uh, th this uh, new European space through which we can build uh, further, uh, hopefully, progress in, in human society in general. 
but uh, we have to remember that uh, states uh, state building is always a, 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 sp a process uh, in which there is an ideology which uh, which will uh, shape the state building you know not all states build in the same way the united states and 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 for example sweden and italy they didn't build in the same way and the problem here is that the ideology um, that is building European integration is a, a, a security and, and a pro uh, ruling class ideology. And, and then I'll, I'll explain this when we talk about like the problems and the solution of, 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 of Frontex because uh, of, of course Jules said Frontex is not respecting human rights, it's not reporting human rights abuses and Frontex is actually being active in, uh, in um, uh, violating human rights. And, but this is not an accident, it's not like um, uh, the, uh, the Frontex guards are actually doing the wrong things, they, they are actually following the orders and the orders that are being made are actually in 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 from from you know from uh, the governance of of the EU. Not only they that, just right? Part of the, the Not only that, uh, they're actually often the orders of Frontex itself, which actually makes this European institution pretty pretty unique and and pretty groundbreaking. That many of the commands are actually centralized by the European Union, not by the nation states. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 This is why it's also a, an example of integration, because now yeah. the EU can override state sovereignty. Yeah. But I mean, we, we got cases, for example, in But wait, wait, just a second, Federico, before you start to give Sorry. these examples, I, I wanted to uh, add one critical note. You were talking about European workers and European migrants being represented by the far left. If I go on the street and I talk with um, an average European worker, and by that I really mean a low income worker, right? I think you're also referring to that. Then um, I think there are high chances that they are saying that they support, they would support an agency that makes sure that no migrants are entering the European Union anymore. So I'm not sure if the European non-migrant worker is having the same interests as a migrant, at least not always. I don't think you should assume you, that. You, 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 no, you are absolutely right. That's why I said that the far left is tiny and is not successful. I mean, it's a mm. it's a failure of it uh, of, of of its uh, premises, right? Uh, I agree with you. We that's we have a problem. Uh, it's also um, no, no. I completely agree. Yeah, this is why the, the left is is not success. I mean, this is the failure of the left. How is this the failure of the left? Like, is it is this the fault of the left or? Uh, well, f f it's um, I mean, it's not like it's the fa specific failure of just like far left politicians. This is a result of a long historical process which began. Um, I mean, it, it began uh, <laughs> right at the time where the Maastricht Treaty was signed uh, after the fall of the, of the, I was about to say the European Union, the Soviet Union. <laughs> after the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, most uh, leftist parties in, in, West, in Western democracies, they, they lost uh, their raison d'etre. Uh, uh, sorry for my French, um, and they said, "Okay, let's let's stick with the uh, with the consensus of uh, capitalism is the best system, and we just try to manage it in a more humane way." So they they stop they stopped trying to build an alternative to the uh, e hegemony. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, a and, and now we see the consequences of it. Mm -hmm. A question that I I would pose to you both is, if we if Frontex represents the interests of the ruling class, as Federico says, but actually the consensus 
um, or the mainstream parties, they have a very uh, pro-human rights discourse, then actually Frontex is maybe representing the fringes of the uh, political spectrum. So rather the hardcore right-wing fringes, because the discourse of the mainstream European parties yeah. is rather oriented towards finding an equilibrium between securing the borders and respecting human rights. How is this equilibrium playing out? Yeah, I, I would actually agree with Martin uh, here more than with what uh, Federico says. I don't think that um, the elite in the European Union necessarily is um, anti-humanitarian or, via, uh, or is in favor of violating human rights. It is indeed a fringe of the elite that actually won this battle. Um, and actually, as a reward of winning that battle, uh, took control basically of the raison d'être, uh, to use your fr fancy French word, um, of, uh, of Frontex. You know, I think one of the major problems of the European migrant crisis is that um, the debate on our humanitarian duty to take in refugees was completely intertwined with what is actually a very different debate, namely, do you take in mass migrants and do you um, make them part of your civil society? In, on Merkel's side, who was basically always presenting herself as the opposite camp and the opposite alternative of the far right, she was arguing, we have to, first of all, respect human rights. We have to um, um, make sure that refugees are safe when they come to Europe. And second of all, we should actually integrate all of these asylum seekers, whether they're refugees or not, and we should turn them into Europeans because they deserve a new homeland. And then on the other hand, you had Orban saying, we don't need to listen to human rights. We don't have to take in refugees. Also, I don't want any migrants into Europe. So these two debates, they were all the time completely intertwined with each other. And that's the big problem that I think Frontex is a result of, we would, could have been much more pragmatic, saying we shouldn't debate on our duty towards human rights. We should help out refugees. We should give them shelter, food, and um, uh, hygiene when they enter here, because actually this is part of the conventions that we signed in the 1950s and the 1960s. But that's a very separate debate of whether we want more migrants into Europe. This is something that member states should decide themselves. And this is not something that we should take for granted as a normative value, you know? And I think this is really where the entire debate of the migrant crisis has um, failed and has fueled the far right um, to, to basically win this discussion. But I think, um, if I may intervene, um, this is where you see the limits of uh, Merkel humanitarian centrism. Merkel? Because no, as in Angela Merkel. Yeah, okay, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, she is the best representative of it. Um, with all the good intentions of uh, trying to respect human rights and to follow human rights discourse, um, it fails to address all the contradictions that most... Uh, European citizens are living um, because uh, being a centrist it refuses to acknowledge the systemic uh, the, the roots of, 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 of our uh, global issues right so because we have refugees uh, migrants economic migrants um, why do we have them because of climate change because of wars um, and, and because of poverty right these three things 
uh, wars are, are uh, in the interest of the oil industry, of the military industry. Um, uh, climate change is a result of our economic uh, kind of model. Uh, poverty is a result of uh, capitalist uh, class division. Um, and all these things, they, they, if you want to solve them, you have to face uh, the question, do we have a, a good uh, system? Okay, but centrists refuse uh, to, to uh, face this problem. But then on the other uh, hand, they really say, oh, we should I follow... I think your far left also very often completely avoids this problem. I mean, look at Corbyn and look at many of the far right leaders in Europe. They really just want, uh, often they really feel comfortable with just talking about economic inequality and it's their good right to do so, but they really want to avoid any discussion related to um, mass migration and multiculturalism because it's too complicated for them. It doesn't really properly fit their Marxist framework. It's a paradox for them. Uh, uh, you know, like from a Marxist point of view, it on the one hand makes a lot of sense to take in all of these migrants because you want to create a equal global system. On the other hand, you don't want to admit to that because you believe that mass migration as it, is, as it exists today is a product of capitalism. So, you know, that, that I think Marxists are often very useless in this debate. Not saying that you're useless, by the way, but can, can many I, Marxists are, you know. Yeah. Can Go I ahead. answer? Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, many Marxists uh, uh, are failing uh, in Europe, and I agree with you. But on the other hand, I have to uh, answer two aspects of your question. First, you, you only talked about Corbyn, and rightly so, because probably it was the only, uh, let's say, uh, salient uh, Marxist uh, um, politician in the last two years in, in Europe. Um, but Corbyn is a specific case because it's a very it's a very particular case because it was uh, trying to intervene uh, in the British uh, public uh, sphere, which is a very complex one in terms of um, of uh, migration and and in terms of its relations with uh, the European uh, continent. But same uh, for right? but we, we know we know we know we know how complicated that was. And I'm not, it's the same uh, and for France, Isomine and France. Uh, the same for uh, Mélenchon, the same for uh, Die Linke in Germany and the Socialistische Partij in, uh, in the Netherlands. They, they, they are on paper in favor of protecting refugees and migrants, but they don't like to talk about it because it is a too confusing debate for the far left to talk about often. Uh, also, well, I mean, no, no, no. Space. I mean, I I agree that most of these groups uh, failed. Uh, but can I can I point out uh, then the other the other part of my answer, which is fundamental. Mm. This is uh, not an issue uh, of uh, whether uh, we should uh, let them in or not, because this is not fully in our power. Because this is what's happening. Many of them uh, c come uh, come to to cross the Mediterranean, anyways. So th let, let's go let's go back to the facts, okay? The facts are um, in Libya, m many arrive uh, to Libya, for instance, okay? Either they, they are um, they stay in detention camps, okay? Or if they try to escape them, uh, well, we have the Libyan Coast Guards, which is being trained by the EU, uh, uh, which intercepts them. And then returns them back to the to these uh, proper like laggers, uh, and and we, we know that there are many reports that these are uh, laggers, and or if they ch if they can uh, escape, they do so in 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 um in very dangerous uh, mafia run kind of mafia run uh, routes, 
Um, and then anyways, they, they get to Europe. They get to Europe and then they get to detention centers, which are uh, built by uh, it's Italian government or by uh, Frontex agencies yeah. uh, that help, for example, Greek uh, or Italy as well. And then uh, they anyways end up uh, being exploited in the agricultural sector heavily in Italy. We have a huge case about it. Or even um, when they get to detention uh, centers, or even in northern Italy, uh, in, don't interrupt me, please. Um, when they get to detention center in northern Italy, we, ha we have uh, reported cases of this. Um, they are being exploited by the uh, gig economy uh, companies like uh, Glovo and, um, and Deliveroo. And, they, and, and, and this happens also in France. And so we have, uh, anyways, these people who either are in detention camps or they die or they come here and they get exploited for very, like, like they work 13 hours and then they, they receive, a, a receive extremely low uh, pay. They're not unionized and there is uh, no sort of regulation on this. So anyways, the problem is it, it gets here anyways. So now the, the issue but this is... this is what I was um, pointing out, right? I was pointing out this is exactly why you Marxists struggle with mass migration because you blame capitalism for migrants to live in such a state of, uh, in such a state of health. Um, and so you are with the paradoxical dilemma. Should you take them in or should you not take them in? Because if you take them in, you risk feeding this supposedly capitalist and equal system that uh, we are all supposedly uh, present in or should you keep them out and then in a way you're also feeding the capitalist system because you feed the far-right discourse that in the Marxist eyes is actually a last desperate attempt to you know save the legitimacy of capitalism so I, I, I yeah you no yeah you're right yeah. to point out this yeah. I, I I agree with you yeah. but then the, the question is uh, this is like now and now we're finally uh, to the point of what uh, it is to be a leftist and to fight for progress where there is exploitation there has to be unionized struggle okay so but um, even if you say oh we let them in and then they they, they get exploited mm -hmm. um, but we all also have uh, uh, Europeans who get exploited in the same way because it's not only migrants. Of course, migrants get even more exploited very often because they have less rights, because they, they are non, not white and all these things. But we also have um, uh, young people or, or even like uh, fathers of, 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 of families who are heavily exploited uh, by the gig economy, uh, by uh, in, the, in the agricultural sectors yeah. uh, uh, less, but like but the rider case is of the gig economy is even more more salient and and so we already have we anyways have to face this issue because even european citizens are suffering so from it so we just uh, we should just uh, link these two struggles because they're, they're just being exploited in the same ways by the same yeah. uh, kind of uh, economy Federico, so uh, that, then then the very simple question should you take in migrants or not is still not being answered right I understand that we need more unionization to actually create a more democratic, um, healthy society. And I actually even agree with that, even though I'm a liberal. But the point is, is that what is going to be your answer to the mass migration challenge? Do you open the borders for these people or not? That's the question that is at stake in this crisis, not whether you should unionize um, people or not. 
Uh, I think uh, that you, uh, as you uh, guys pointed out, uh, you know, European workers and citizens uh, are, uh, you know, they, they say, uh, you know, I, uh, the left is not representing my interests. The left should start to represent the interests of European uh, workers, of U the European subaltern class. So that Because means closing does... the borders and not letting any asylum. No, 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 no. I, th I think, I think, um, I think that most uh, European citizens are not um, that they would be happier with uh, someone who comes along and says, hey, I want to solve your economic issues rather than, you know, just talk about migrants. Because when they talk about, when they, the, um, like the, the right says... Uh -huh. the ri so it's a matter of language. Yeah, the right-wing right uh, politicians, they say, look, migrants are a problem because they steal your job. So you go there and you say, I want to solve, uh, to, to, to uh, save your job, to mm -hmm. give you better job conditions. Yeah. So you, you, should, you, should, you, should, you should talk about this because then uh, citizens, they will be happy to talk about this instead of talking about should we let migrants in or not? If, because if they are in, uh, they have a really good, um, um, if they improve their working conditions, their social conditions, they will be happy with this yeah but i can, and so it, you know it, you it, can give a super um a relevant example they will be less that. interested in, in in the in the in migrant crisis this is also why covid 19 was more covered than than the migrant crisis last year because people are more interested in not losing their company or their job okay so um going back specifically to the topic of migration policy i see in both positions that you're not satisfied with the status quo you're not satisfied with Absolutely how europe not. handles its external borders be it a liberal or a marxist so maybe you could actually propose how would it look like a functioning migration european wide migration policy do you have any proposals <laughs> can i say first my uh, idea and then you can mark explain it my um what i yeah, what sure, i find yeah. uh, what i found a very impressive way of solving it was the social democrat um idea that was um offered in denmark during the elections um that took place in the middle of the migrant crisis now you have to imagine in the middle of the migrant crisis that was like the most ideal climate for any far-right party to really take over and they did in many countries including in italy um, but in Denmark, the Social Democrats managed to win the election against the far right um, by using a completely new discourse, a completely new language um, in this migrant crisis. They said, look, we have to take in refugees. This is a duty, right? And some of them may stay in Denmark at some point because that's how the law works. And, I, and we also believe that's a good thing. But we are going to make sure that they're not going to be here at the stake of Danish workers. We're going to make sure that first of all, all of those refugee camps are going to, place, going to be placed in the rich neighborhoods because those refugees are coming to Denmark because of wealth. So the people with wealth should actually have the stronger shoulders to carry them. Then we also want to make sure that in the phys fiscal system, the only the richest part of society is paying for these refugees so in every discussion they were saying to the far right look what you are proposing doesn't make any sense we promise that no matter what is going to happen the normal danish worker is not going to suffer from it this is an elite problem and the elite has to pay for it and i think that is a really good way of solving it i completely agree Shul. i love you yeah that's great i agree of course <laughs> 
Yes, but just, I'm, yeah, I'm not is... in favor of overthrowing the bourgeoisie because the bourgeoisie came up with this idea. But th that that would be a matter of another discussion, I think. Uh, <laughs> you think I mean, you have to con you, we have to co you have to convince the bourgeoisie? No, I think we need an elite in no. uh, in Europe to come up with these ideas. Oh, okay, okay. So, so okay, so I understand where we where we depart. Uh, Jules <laughs> believes that we need an elite to solve mm -hmm. this issue. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think what Jules has said is the elite has to be responsible for paying the yeah 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 but like, but but yeah, usually usually migrants. The, usually the ruling class does not concede power unless it's threatened to do so. I mean, this is I think we all agree on this, right? Um, no, nobody history. nobody nobody gives away uh, his or her power uh, for free just out of you know like uh, some fr uh, uh, what's his name. Uh, uh, San Francisco. Uh, how do you? What the fuck do you? Sorry, can we cut this off? San Francisco uh, is a city in the U.S. See, si, San Francisco. Uh, I mean, like you don't have many San Francisco's or Jesus usually. That's why they are usually the saints. Are you talking about the Pope? No, that's no, no. no that's I'm talking about friend. the original one. Okay. Ah, okay. The, the guy the Pope took his name from. Oh, you true. Know, like, he was like kind of a socialist, right? I think Danny Frank, as a Jesuit, uh, really liked him. A proto-socialist. Yeah, proto. Proto. I'd say. Maybe yeah, maybe proto-communist in a way. I don't know, oh, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the, the point is that usually um, uh, we all uh, saw from uh, European history that uh, workers' rights and, and democratic rights were always gained with struggle from the oppressors. Um, the issue is that uh, m many um, oppressor, uh, oppressed people, sorry, I said oppressors, I, I meant oppressed, sorry. Um, it, the issue is that <laughs> many... So you're a Marxist. Yeah, I thought for a second you <laughs> yeah. went full fascist, Fede. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I mean, like, the issue is that uh, th there is uh, not much linking between uh, all these struggles. You know, the, the European workers has not um, uh, been... Um, told you're in a similar situation of the migrant but but you see like in northern Italy you have both uh, Italians and immigrants being exploited by Deliveroo by Glovo and and others uh, we also had recently a case of the uh, Ita of the Italian court saying that the um, Deliveroo I think it was or Glovo uh, app is discriminating workers and and so um, you see, like uh, you you have uh, it, it, this is factual. They, they, it's it's a fact that they are being exploited. So sh someone just should just come up and say, look, you both have the same problem. You mean migrants you know? and workers? Yeah. Yeah, have you both have the same problem. Yeah. Do you and, agree, and that, and um As a closing <coughs> remark, is it a an economic? I, I uh, think it's part. Of, I, I think it's part of the problem, definitely the economic problem. But there's also uh, more of it. I think uh, multiculturalism always um, creates challenges in society because you don't speak each I other's agree, language, you don't go to the same temples to pray so to say um yeah and, and there are huge cultural uh, issues and they then end up often uh, in the groups that have the biggest economic challenges and this is where i agree with federico that that makes the problem only more uh yeah that makes the problem only bigger i think but I, overall i, I, I think I agree, I agree. I'm, I'm on federico's side there um at least in this conversation no, I mean you're right. So, I think multiculturalism has completely failed, and uh, I'm, I don't support multiculturalism. I support interculturalism, which uh, has been uh, also uh, tried out, for example, in southern Italy um, and the United uh, in, States. In, 
and the United States. Yeah, in, I think. Yeah, you you got uh, you got uh, the famous case of the city of Riace, um, uh, where the mayor, Mimmo Lucano, the mayor of the city, he, he actually um, developed uh, local projects where uh, there was intercultural uh, dialogue and and, and common um, economic, uh, you know, enterprises and and and. And projects uh, b b uh, um, uh, with migrants and and local people together, and it worked. So like, yeah, multiculturalism is a failure, uh, and I agree. Uh, but this is for 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 another maybe conversation. Yes. Yes. Now that we found a point in common that both agree on, especially regarding the role political parties and also why not the economic system is playing in creating an, a system which makes it highly. Uh, attractive to enter Europe, although you will face difficulties that you didn't even imagine. So maybe it's a good point to bring the discussion to a close. And we could finish. We started with some uh, wrap up of 2020. Now we can look ahead. Do you have any expectations of what could happen in 2021? Maybe you can make some predictions that we can check at the end of the year St with starting with Federico, for example. Well, I mean, um, 20, uh, 21 uh, is a time where we probably will see the end of the uh, COVID-19 uh, as a um, sanitary and health crisis, but not as an economic crisis. Uh, we got the EU uh, recovery fund. Uh, let's see where that takes us. Uh, it's a new challenge, but finally we can, you know, start to talk about the economic problems we got. Jules? Um, yeah, I agree with uh, Federico. I think um, we have a lot of crises ahead. And, you know, I would like to add to this. I think um, I am not so optimistic about the future, but I am optimistic about one thing, namely that we stop being optimistic and that Europeans are finally realizing that you cannot take democracy for granted. Uh, you cannot take it for granted in a pandemic, not in a migrant crisis, not in a euro crisis. And we really have to start to fight to make... Um, create more justice in uh, Europe and in the world. And I think in that sense, I am optimistic about the growing pessimism and the growing um, uh, critical um, attitudes among uh, Europeans. That's great. Very Zizekian, well, very Zizekian of you. Uh, <laughs> thank you, man. <laughs> Let's see how those predictions hold up. Anyways, that's all for today. Thank you for tuning in with us and thank you Jules and Federico for showing your discussion skills. Thank We've you. seen some fire today. <laughs> to our listeners, please don't forget to leave a comment on YouTube or hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. Bye bye and see you next time in Speaking of Europe.